Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, editor Madhunu Christian, joined by my friend and colleague, Airlines reporter Ned Russell, as we have Latin America on the mind, discussing the new holding company in South America called Abra. We also talk about Copa and briefly touch on Latam. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you? Buenos dias, Madhu. I'm doing well. Buenos dias. It's a we're greeting you all in Spanish this morning because we have Latin America on the mind. We're heading south. We are. This uh, last week, um, there was a fairly big deal announced when Gol and Avianca said that they will come together under a new holding company called Abra, and uh, it's it's consolidated, which incidentally means open in Spanish. It does. <laughs> thanks you to to Dora, which has taught my son and I that <laughs> word. <laughs> But the new holding company is going to uh, allow consolidation to move forward in Latin America. Now, to be clear, the airlines are not actually merging operations, right. but it is a merger in terms of their ownership structures. Right. And this is the latest in a long series of transnational mergers or whatever you want to call it, sort of groupings in Latin America, you know starting with Avianca and Latam a decade ago, roughly. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, personally, I draw parallels to Europe more than Latin mm-hmm. America because both Avianca and Latam, through their own mergers, united their operations under a single brand. Right. But Abra is going to, Avianca and Gold will continue to operate under their own brands as well. And Viva the, too, right, Yeah, Ned? Viva Air and Sky Airline in Chile are also going to be under the ownership structure. So I really, the parallel I draw is more Europe, where mm-hmm. we have, you know, International Airlines Group with BA, Iberia, Welling, and Aer Lingus. You have Air France KLM with the two namesake airlines, plus Transavia, Lufthansa Group. It, it feels with like that Lufthansa the... Group with its ever-growing and bewildering number of operating units. What are we up to now? Ten? No, what's up? we've got CityLine Tune is the new one, right? So that was just announced last week. So, I mean, Lufthansa, Lufthansa's got this like got this sh- stuff down. I mean, they, they know how to create brands. I mean, maybe Abra should take uh, should be hiring some Lufthansa management uh, staff to to help implement. Please this, no. That's... <laughs> We know nothing about this, so yes, but so yeah, it's it's interest. It's an interesting take on consolidation, and for us sitting in the U.S., it's always fun, interesting to watch this because it's not possible with U.S. Right. airlines. It's something that's possible in other markets, but not here. Yeah, and just just to clarify for for our listeners, I mean, the U.S. and a lot of countries around the world have strict ownership and control laws in place that prevent airlines being owned or even helmed by non-U.S. citizens. And that's true in a lot of countries. So um, this is, you know, Europe under the aegis of the uh, European Union and liberalized its its air transport market a few decades ago and made these these groupings possible. But Latin America is a little different. It doesn't have that uh, supranational political body like the EU. It doesn't, but they allow these kinds of yeah. deals. And it's... Uh... I would argue it's good for the the region because it, it allows consolidation to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I should say the Abra plan is to unite these four airlines, uh, drive costs down, and uh, focus on their their unique strengths for growth. So it it sounds like you're going to have you know I don't know I don't the details are scant, but it sounds like you're going to have Avianca evolve into the the more sort of longer range uh, sort of 
Flag Carrier, Viva, and Sky will be the budget names, and then Gold's going to dominate the Brazilian market. It's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I, I have this image of, you know, Air France and KLM, where they, they share a counter at Dulles Airport, which is my home airport, and it's got the dual logo. I can see that now in my head of a dual Avianca Gold, Viva right. <laughs> logo but, on counters at airports, you know, cost savings. Well, you know, let, let's think about this for a second. I mean, these are four very different airlines. I mean, you've got Avianca, which is a full full service airline. Um, Who just, they, they did cut uh, expenses a lot through yeah. Chapter 11. But. You've got Gold, which is essentially a hybrid. It calls itself an LCC, but it is a hybrid airline and does have a significant amount of business traffic. Um, and then Viva, which is a ULCC, and Sky, which is I don't know even I don't know much about Sky. Sky's a ULCC. Sky's a ULCC as well. So so you've got these very different kind of business models that will be brought under the the same same umbrella, right? I, and and how I mean the, you know airline mergers are fiendishly complex to begin with, and um, I, I don't know is this is this an answer around that complexity? You know when when you think of say United Continental or American U.S. Airways. I mean, there's a lot of pain that went into integrating those airlines. Um, uh, There was a lot of pain with Air France, KLM, um, and Lufthansa just keeps making brands. But uh, but like how? I mean, what do you mint brands? They mint brands. (laughs) They mint brands. I mean, they yeah. They're (laughs) anyway. Story for another day. Um, But Ned, Ned, what's your take, or what are you hearing about the um, sort of? what are people saying about the p- potential for complexity with managing four different air- airline brands in several different countries um, and keeping them independent? And also, like, they're, they're different alliance members, too, right? They're different partners. partners only one's right. in an alliance. Yeah, Avianca's the only one of the four in an alliance. But then Goal has its partnership with American. With American. And but Avianca with um, United. United. But then you look at it, Copa as a partner with both Avianca and Copa. Avianca and Gold. Like right. the, we'll talk about Copa later. But their CEO described a spider web of alliances and partnerships in South America with this deal. So it'll, but we'll we'll get to that later. So the thing is, is there's so few details that were provided. There's there's not much commentary on whether they can, you know, the complexities that we'll face. The analysts that I've spoken to all said that in general they see the deal as a positive. Because consolidation is going to be good for the industry, even if the airlines are flying their own, maintain their own operations and their own networks. But really, there's there's not too many details out there now. You know what I I really see is again I'm going to go back to Europe. You have you'll you get these airlines that have their unique strengths, and you know Gold will dominate in Brazil. You've got Avianca maybe doing the long haul, the you know intercontinental connections, uh, and then doing key business routes. And then you could. Now, I don't know this, but what if Sky and Viva merged and then you get one ULCC brand under the ABRA group? So then you'll have a ULCC, you'll have a Brazil brand, you've got a network, you know, long haul. There's many ways that this could go. Right. That the the group could achieve synergies within. And then, of course, there's the whole question about, um, you know, joint orders. Yeah. Now, analysts did point out that they, <laughs> they're going to have a mixed fleet. Goal is an all 737 yeah. operator. Sky, Avianca, and uh, Viva are Airbus A320 family operators. So you're going to have that. But I think those questions are for further down the road. Yeah, yeah, definitely for further down the road. And, and bears watching. I mean, um, 
the now both of us covered the Aviampa and Latam creation a decade ago um, in different lives, and that was I was surprised by how relatively smoothly both went, considering they were transnational and pulling together you know several brands that were or several operating units that were completely different. But um, you know there there was still some pain. So uh, oh, there's curious, always going to be some pain. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how this holding company functions as it goes forward and where where it'll focus its strengths. Right. No, and it really will be. It'll be interesting to see if they try to harmonize. The group goal uh, becomes part of a, a Star Alliance or if they're going to move Avianca over to partnering with America. Like, there's a whole lot of questions. Yeah. Or if they're going to keep each airline with their own relationships as they stand now, because that could also happen. You know, there's no there's no set playbook that says they have to all be on the same page. Yeah, know? but I wonder so. if the partners will have um, things to say about that. I mean, now United an American to fierce competitors in the U S are essentially, you know, part kind of, you know, they, they, they're involved in this situation as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It will definitely be interesting. And I think a lot of us are going to be watching closely, but this sort of goes back to something we've been talking about for a while is that Latin America really is one of the most interesting airline markets uh, in the world at the moment, as we emerge from the pandemic. Uh, we've been talking a lot about consolidation there, Azul's attempted hostile takeover of LATAM, uh, Goal acquiring a regional airline map in Brazil last year, uh, the rumors that Avianca and Sky were going to come together, which mm-hmm. now is actually happening. And um, Oh, and Abra announcement comes two weeks after Avianca announced they were going to be joining, acquiring Viva under right. a single holding. So it's... It's just constantly evolving, and the the pawns keep moving, and and things happening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone told me, uh, an industry insider told me like a year ago or so. You know, Latin America really is sort of a, a test laboratory for South America. We should say. I mean, is really a test laboratory for um, what could happen if airline, um, if the airline business was even more liberalized than it is now. I mean, like we mentioned at the at the top, um, you know, a lot of countries have ownership and control rules which make it difficult to do unlock the potential of airlines through transnational mergers and holding companies. So, you know, this is a really interesting we're watching this experiment happen in, in real time and and see what could possibly happen here. I mean, there when you think of a few, just a few years ago, no, more than a few years ago. Now, I mean, Alaska sued to to uh to uh, to keep Virgin America from flying, claiming that it was really owned, uh, you know, owned by a foreign national in the Virgin Group. Um, so, you know, there's been there's been a, a steady drumbeat in the U.S. kind of in the background of people who say that, you know, this even the industry here could even be more profitable if these kind of net, sort of things that we're seeing in Latin America were possible here. I remember hearing that. You know, the one that I always think about is when American had a minority stake in Canadian International Airlines in the 90s, and what could have been possible there had American been able to fully, you know, the two airlines come together under a single holding company. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Canadian was acquired by Air Canada in 2000, but it could things could have gone very differently had they been able to, to you know, integrate uh, across borders. But that yeah, is... instead of American acquiring TWA. <laughs> <laughs> a merger that did not, uh, not result in many um many benefits to either airline so (laughs) (laughs) all right let's squeeze in a quick break here ned 
All right, and we're back. Ned, so, you know, we're talking about Latin America this week. It's the theme of this week's issue of Airline Weekly, if, in case you haven't seen it. Not you, Ned. I know you've seen it. But to our listeners, in case you haven't seen it, airlineweekly.com, we're, we're all about Latin America this week. Um, the other kind of interesting thing that came out of the week is uh, is COPA's earnings. Now, COPA, you covered COPA's earnings, but COPA um, was essentially grounded for much of the pandemic as pa- Panama halted um, international or all flights. Uh, but it has come roaring back. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's really an impressive story. Uh, like you said, they were nearly grounded, but now they're already back to, I want to say, about 85% of yeah. their, their pre-pandemic capacity, and they're profitable. Mm-hmm. They made a $20 million profit in the first quarter. And you're, you're, you're not going to love this, Madhu, but it was not on the back of cargo. It was ah. on the back of passengers. Right. Cargo is up. Cargo is strong. But, um, you know, Copa is, I mean, it, it just, it's a testament to the resilience of their business model, which mm-hmm. is an efficient connector between North and South America over yeah. Panama City. And the fact that they've been able to come back so quickly with after the lockdowns they had and the shutdown they had is is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're uh, sort of, I guess a couple years ago now, or two years into this thing, uh, there there was a lot of talk that countries with no inter- domestic markets like uh, Panama, Copa, Emirates, and, and Singapore would, uh, would really... The, those airlines would never recover because the entire world was changing and the way people traveled was changing and the connecting model was sort of dead. But now we've been shown by, um, you know, Emirates to a degree, but definitely by Copa, that the connecting model is back and it's working. Absolutely. Uh, Copa said, yeah, <laughs> the connecting model's back. They, they declined to comment if there was any specific market or anything. They said they're seeing broadly uh, return of travelers across the region. The connecting model, yeah, exactly. The connecting model is back. Like we've seen when restrictions ease, demand bounces back extremely yeah. quickly. Now, Copa did note that they're still, they're, they're tra- their planes are still mostly full with leisure and visiting mm-hmm. friends and relatives traffic. Business corporate revenue, I want to say, still at about 50% of 2019 levels. So the fact that they're profitable on you know, planes that are essentially full of leisure travelers is, is impressive. That is very impressive. And it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's a, it's always been an interesting business model. I mean, the, as you mentioned, like connecting North Central and South America to, to within the region, but also to North America, um, over a remarkably efficient hub in Tucumán in Panama. Um, so it, you know, this is yet another sign that the recovery is real and enduring that uh, this, this connecting model is back. What else did COPA say? I mean, did they mention anything about Wingo, their subsidiary in Colombia? They said they added an 8th, 800 to Wingo, but that mm-hmm. was about it. You know, it's, it's Colombia, of course, is a very hot market right now where uh, COPA competes with an airline we just spoke about, Avianca, two <laughs> airlines, Avianca and Viva. Right. Uh, and then also the region's largest, LATAM. Now, Copa, as I mentioned earlier, Pedro Hilbron, their CEO, did say, you know, there's a sp- the Aubrey deal creates a spider web of you know alliances and partnerships in South a America. A spider web. So he is, and is he sense- the spider? Who's the spider in the middle of this web? That's a good question. Um, but he does not have any concerns about the creation of Opera for Copa's business, and I he cited the the profit in the first quarter 
and the enduring resiliency of their model for yeah. he, he doesn't he he said he does not think that copa needs to make any changes at this point he caveated that being like i'm not commenting on their their deal but he believes in in copa's model to go forward of course the big question now is copa signed a joint business agreement for a jv with united and Avianca prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic so the question analysts were asking is what is the status of that deal yeah so Hailbron, he said that the parties, it still is in force. The parties have not reached a final JV agreement. In fact, they've not really talked much since the pandemic. Of course, Avianca was going through Chapter 11, so they've paused everything. And Abra adds a new wrinkle, but he said we uh, it's still very much in play. And, you know, they just need to come together and sit down and talk about what they want to do. But it's it's just, it's a spider web. I was thinking about it, you know, last week Azul commented about their partnership with United, which actually expires in June, which is... Ironic, considering United owns eight percent of Azul, so is and it now, ironic? It's just the spider or is web. It, it just coincidental. Keeps, it's oh, it's coincidental, I guess, because <laughs> now Avianca is coming together with Goal, Azul's uh, top competitor. So it's just. I tell you, Alanis Morissette just killed that word. No one really understands what irony actually is. Since all that I remember song is when out. I was in I was in elementary no middle school. And that song came out and my English teacher was like played it for us. And her comment was, the irony is, is that nothing's actually ironic. Nothing's ironic. So, yes, uh, this is a coincidental thing we were talking about, not an ironic thing. Um, Yeah, the spider web is interesting because Copa really is kind of when you think of it, is the spider in the middle of the it's if you look at its root map. I mean, there's a big black dot in the center of a radiating stream of uh of lines that go out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy for Hailbron to say those things, right? Because he's sitting on, as we mentioned, a really great hub and a great strong business model. It isn't hamper. And, and, a, and let's not even, let's also not forget a country that has prioritized aviation and liberalization, which is not the case in a lot of Latin America. That is true. That is absolutely true. You know, and the the new terminal at Tokumen, which I believe it was, it opened partially open during the crisis, but should be either it's fully online now or mm-hmm. it's still partially open. Like the hub's just going to keep improving. Copa has maxes arriving. They said roughly twenty percent of their fleet are going to be new maxes by the end of the year, and wow. these are Max Nines, so mm-hmm. they're not only more fuel efficient than NGs, but they're also larger than Copa's predominantly Dash Eight Hundred fleet. So yeah. you're getting more fuel efficiency plus a gain of seats so there's a lot of savings that are come going to come through that uh, you know, and they won't have to that. take route restrict our weight restrictions on routes to, to places like san francisco that's right that's right so there's a lot of benefits to come now the one airline that we haven't talked about much is latam mm-hmm. you know they also dropped their first quarter earnings last week uh they're still in chapter 11 so they didn't hold a call you know they did post a loss for the period though it was smaller than for the fourth quarter um, but the big news for latam really is uh, by the time you listen to this listeners you we latam's confirmation plan might be or reorganization plan might be confirmed the court is meeting on may 17th and 18th to discuss it and they've got the backing of the majority of creditors, not all their creditors. It was it was not nearly as resounding as Avianca or, or Aero Mexico's. But it could really be the the end of a long, drawn-out restructuring uh, track for, for LATAM. Yeah, and we'll have plenty more to say about that next week after the the court has, has made its decision and, and 
whether to approve the reorganization plan. So let's uh, let's leave it here now, Ned. Um, thank you for joining us again this week on the Airline Week Lounge. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks, Madhu. I should say adios. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. 